0: Transfer news.
1: Unlikely.
0: Hey, that's not what I wrote.
1: I don't really care. We're going with it now.
0: All right. Soccer New Bracket America. America. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. I'm your host, Soccer Noob. Joining me as always is my nine year old daughter and co host, Person Noob. Hello! And we do mini previews on the 10 most important, intriguing matches in the world, as we define them. Now, we spent year one called the 10 to track. And not much has changed Uh, We cover club and national team matches From any and everywhere in the world What we always say is If it's important where it's being played it's a pretty darn good chance That we're covering it on this show Even though other shows might not necessarily go To some of those far-flung corners of the world Now, with the new name We are a little bit more focused on matches That are closer to home But we still uh, span the globe for constant variety As they used to say So, we are American Soccer We are soccer that Americans care about, think Western Europe and then uh, the rest of our region over here in North America, Central America and the Caribbean, and then soccer the world over that we want to and want you to care about with us. Plus, this episode, we're going to have another Noobstradamus drug-addled vision to try and help us with our gambling on one of the matches. Now, this week, we're going to be covering matches from Friday, October 14th through Thursday the 20th. Let's dive right in with... Match number one! And we start our tracking of the 10 best, most intriguing matches in the world that we're going to care about. In England, for their FA Cup, we try to grab one of these matches every other weekend when they play a qualifying round. Now, first of all, let me give a mini-tutorial... To any of the newer fans and listeners Who are tuning in and let you know What exactly this is. You've got your League play and then you've Got your FA Cup tournaments And that's the case in most countries Leagues are leagues. The FA Cups are more Like knockout tournaments. Think NCAA Basketball. Winning you move On, losing you're out and that's Pretty much it. Certainly the case here in the Qualifying rounds and here's what We mean by that. A lot of countries they only Have uh, three, two Maybe even only one league playing But in England, teams all the way down to the 10th level of the pyramid get to participate in the qualifying rounds. And here's what we mean by the pyramid. Premier League is the top of the pyramid. There's only one league, level one. Championship League, that is level two, and then you move down and get decreasing uh, amounts of money being paid, levels of professionality, and even into a lot of semi-pro and amateur leagues once you start to get down into the ninth and tenth levels. But they get to participate. The further down the pyramid that you are, the earlier you have to start. Now, this is the fourth qualifying round and the final qualifying round. What I mean by that is the teams that win in this round, they will move on to what is called the Event Proper at this level Of the tournament the level Five teams on the pyramid are Entering the fray all of the level Tens and now as of uh, the last Qualifying round all the level nines have been Knocked out starting with The event proper you will start to get teams At level four and that's league two And then up to league one championship or Premier League You are truly high end National scale professional Teams so with all that said, the match we've picked out, the one I always like to look for, we want to go minnow watching. we want to pick a team from um, as low a pyramid that survived as we can, a team from there, that maybe has the best chance of uh, winning, getting to impress us and move on, in this case, to the event proper. AFC Sudbury won their draw and gets to play host, and they are a level 8 team, and they are taking on from the 6th level of the pyramid, Dartford. Let's learn a little bit about each. Sudbury they're from the historical county Of Suffolk Uh, their crest is Really neat if you happen to look at it online it's got A cool old style hunting dog That I've never known the name of I've seen this club Crest uh, even before researching for This match but I didn't know the dog it's called Talbot it's kind of cute because it's it's a little sausagey and it's got its tongue hanging out. In any case, uh, this town, Dartford, is what they call a market town. And that is a term that stretches all the way back to at least the Middle Ages. And the difference, it differs in labeling from a city or a town proper and that it is a very small township, if you will, and that might have a few small villages surrounding it. Uh, Modern day they still carry the term uh, Population of it is only about 15,000 The county is in the east central part of the country And then the city is not a coastal one It is in the southwest part of the uh, Southwest part of the county uh, historians might recognize this particular area because it was a hotbed of Puritan activity going back to the 1630s. In fact, a lot of people that were part of the great migration uh, to the Massachusetts Bay colony were actually from right in this area of Sudbury. And for our literature experts, yes, the novel 101 Dalmatians was in large part set in Sudbury. So, and uh, that's because the author uh, Dodie Smith was from, uh, she was not from uh He was not from Sudbury, but from very close by. Now, talking about the club uh, club proper, it is AOC Sudbury, but to my surprise, the A is not for athletic like it usually is. It's usually AOC Athletic Football Club, but this is amalgamated football club. Uh, they have decided to pay that sort of homage to the fact that, while this iteration of the club was founded just in 1999, which is beyond new when it comes to English clubs and really anything over in Europe. Uh, it is a combining or an amalgamation of two much, much older clubs. Now, as I mentioned, they play in the eighth level. That puts them in the Isthmian League. North Division because of their geography So if they were to win, they would move on to the Isthmian League Premier Division. They actually Have done that before. They won this league in 2015-16, in fact uh, This year, they've started off very well At the time I scouted it, they were 4-1 one, And 1 in their league this year, putting them At 5th place, and they have 1-2 to two Matches in hand. They've played fewer matches Than all the teams above them So this is one of the hottest teams going at that level Their goal differential shows that 11-4. Uh, the 11 is Very, very good, but there's a lot of teams Are scoring like that, but uh, they're very defensively oriented compared to the other teams in their league. They're going to try to keep things low. They had never been past the FA Cup first round before, which is actually the third round because there's two rounds prior to round one because they have issues with counting over in England. It seems like preliminary rounds is what they call them. In any case, this is far and away this team is best as ever done. How did they advance to this level? Well, last round they beat. A team from a higher level in the pyramid from them. I'm not sure if it's pronounced Shesham or Chesham. I'm going to assume it's the former since it's only got one S. And they play in the Espion League Premier Division and they beat them 1 0 last round. In fact, all the matches so far that AFC Sudbury have played, the scores have all been either 1 0 or 0 1 in their favor, or they won one match 1 2 on the road. As I said, they like to keep things low scoring. As for the team's current form, they have won four straight matches across all competitions. This all said, even at home, a team that's two levels higher They are going to have their handful Let us talk about Dartford They're from the county of Kent In very southeast England This was a market town But it's now somewhat larger And is close enough in proximity to London That it has lost uh, that moniker It's now essentially a commuter town For the greater London area If not quite London proper uh, London borders it to the northwest It's about, uh, just to give you some geographical perspective About 20 miles southeast of central London uh, The town itself uh, has less than probably 60,000 people uh, being at the 6th level, they play in the National League South They have reached the 3rd round twice before Although that was all the way back in the 1930s So this is the best they've ever done And certainly the best they've done in nearly a century They play in the aforementioned Isthmian League Premier Division And they were the to Or no, I'm sorry, they, I uh, mentioned earlier what league they play in the National League South but they won the Isthmian league premier division to move up back in 2009, 2010. I believe they've actually made it one level of the pyramid higher before. So this is a team with a lot of positive history and uh, they've got a lot of positive things going on this year too. seven, one and all on the year. And even though there are only eight matches into the league season at the time I scouted this, they were already ahead by five points in the table and they've got a match in hand against the number three and number four teams. So while it's too early to say this for sure, it is reasonable to assume Dartmouth, uh, Dart or Dartford rather, Dartmouth is the Ivy League school. Dartford have a pretty good chance of uh, winning promotion again this year, maybe even running away with the league title. They've got a 22-4 goal differential. Uh, second best league scorer is theirs. His name is Adebayo Aziz. He is of Nigerian descent, but an Englishman by birth. Uh, he was the player of the month in this league uh, just back in the August-September uh, combination for that award. He actually repped for the England under-19 level. This is the guy who... Uh, not at this level is he ever probably going to make it all to a Premier League or anything, but Based on the fact that he represented at uh, any level, even the youth levels for the national team in England, says this guy was very highly thought of for a long time. And as an even younger lad, he was actually an incredibly promising gymnast. My guess is that uh, being six foot one now, he hit his growth spurt and decided he had to stick with football. Uh, he's played with some better clubs than this one too over the years. A little bit of a veteran, he's played with Partick Thistle, which I believe is something of a yo-yo team between the first and second uh, leagues over in Scotland. And he's played for a couple of leagues two clubs which is the fourth level division in england how did they advance well they beat some people from their league uh, the club called maidstone united last round as far as their current form five straight wins i think it's too bad for afc Sudbury because the more i think about it the more i think we're not going to get a uh, we're not going to get a so a quote-unquote giant slaying on this one as i mentioned before i think they're going to have their hands full with dartford
1: match number b
0: Thank you for reminding us, as always, Daughter Dearest, that in fact, yes, the phrase number two is bathroom talk. And it's not fit for polite society. New Bites, join us in the revolution for number B. It is much more couth And match number B, we're going to stay in that same part of the world and hit another FA Cup match. This time it is a final for the tournament and is in the country of Iceland. Now, they did not play this event in 2020, so I'm sure they're very excited to have it back. And uh, just to give some perspective, I mentioned for England, I'm sure they go further down their pyramid for teams and qualifying than anybody else. 10 levels. Iceland, I was surprised to discover they even go this far. I would be really surprised if they have 10 levels in their soccer pyramid. And in any case, they only delve down to what is called the fourth Dale or fourth league in theirs. And that is the fifth division. You've got your Urvils Dale and then Dale number one, Uh, Number B, we're going to call it I almost messed up three and four In any case, the winner of this event There are stakes, they will qualify for The Europa Conference League What is that? Well, in Europe They have all the best clubs that win their leagues Or get pretty close to it in some of the biggest countries Go to the Champions League Then your secondary tournament is the Europa League And then this year they have been and playing for the first time A tertiary tournament called the Europa Conference League In Iceland, for example The winner, as all nations winners do Will get to go to the Champions League No one from their league Based on league play anyway Will get to go to the Europa League And then your next two or three teams Will all qualify for this new tertiary tournament And that explanation is actually Going to have been necessary for something It'll come into play But let's get into the match It is, and very surprising Because we... Uh, Touched on this team I believe in a match of disappointed Longer time listeners will know what I'm talking about And you'll learn at the very end of this episode What that means uh, I.A. Oxenis It's A-K-R-A-N-E-S But the pronunciation that I found was very distinct. It is Oxenis um, Amazingly they have made it all the way to the final Even though they're a pretty bad top league team And they are going to be facing League champion Vikinger Reykjavik As far as the recent series between these two teams, the uh, Viking or Reykjavik squad have had the best of it, a 4-7-1 record. Uh, IA, they won, or or, I'm sorry, they didn't win. They earned a tie at home earlier this season in league play, 1-1 against uh, Viking, and then Viking won on the return trip at their place, 1-0 for league play. Also, Viking will have a slight advantage that the match is going to be played in Reykjavik, although it's not going to be at their home stadium, at least it is at a neutral site. In any case, let's delve into the home team first. Uh, We're just going to call them IA. They're from the western part of the country, town of only about 8,000. And their nickname is very interesting. It's not, this is one nickname, not two, despite the conjunction. Uh, They are known as the Yellow and Happy. They used to be a lot happier than they've been in recent years. They've actually got 18 league titles to their credit domestically, but they haven't won it in a couple decades, 2001. They've also won this event nine different times, but not since 2009. This last year, they made a bit of a run at the end to get out of the relegation zone, didn't get kicked out of the league. They finished in ninth place out of the 12 teams. Seventh best offense, number 11 defense, woof, and then tied for number nine on overall goal differential. Uh, The offense and probably their best player going uh, is tie for number one team leading scorer, Steinor Thorsteinsson. (laughs) This is sort of telling how much trouble you've been having on offense most of the season when you're leading scorer for the entire league season because they're done in Iceland. It's a a summer league in Europe. Uh, He's a defender. He had four goals in his 20 appearances. Uh, To advance, they beat another very much also ran 2-0 in the semifinal. That's uh, Keflavik. As far as their current form, they're getting hot at the right time. I suppose they've got five straight wins across all competitions. 16 and 6 is their goal differential of late. So a really impressive comeback for IA. Perhaps a return to historical form is coming. Not if Viking or Reykjavik have anything to say about it. Again, they're from the capital. They're from the eastern part of the city, from a district called uh, Fosfager. And uh, it's only about 13,000 people. But in any case, they have won the league title six times. This year is the first time they've actually won the league in 30 years. They've also won the FA Cup title twice, uh, 2019. But then you've got all the go all the way back to 1971 for the other one uh, this year. League play, second-best offense, third-best defense, very well-balanced. Number one league scorer on their team uh, is uh, Nikolai Hansen, and he's actually from uh, Denmark. He's a striker. Best club he's ever played for was a team that uh, I think it's a bit of a yo-yo team. I don't recognize him from years past in the Danish Super League. called uh, It's spelled K, and then one of the letters that looks like an O, but with a line through it, G-E. But I've heard it pronounced simply as... Yeah. Not even with a K, but with a hard G at, the begin- uh, G at the beginning In any case, he played for them back in 2014-15 Now here's where that explanation about uh, the league standings comes into play Here's what's interesting about this final It'll be interesting to see how much I mean, everybody wants a trophy But Vikinger have a lot less at stake If they win, they're not going to go to the Europa Conference League. They won their league. They're going to the Champions League no matter how this turns out. So they really can't improve their status. They can only add another piece of shiny metal uh, to their trophy case. If they do win, then I don't believe, I would be very surprised in a case. I didn't read this succinctly, but I don't believe that the runner up from this event, uh, IA, will get to go to the Europa Conference League. They have to win it. If Vikinger win, then the third place team. From their league, which is uh, KR Reykjavik will actually go to get to go to the Europa Conference League. So they'll be reeling really hard for uh, their fellow city mates, uh, Vikinger. Uh, how did they advance? Well, they had a much easier road to be perfectly honest. They had to beat a team called Vestry out of the first daled, which is the second division. They beat them nil three on the road. Their current form, they also have eight straight wins, been very hot, and they've only conceded five goals over those matches. Match number three. We're going to log some frequent flyer miles for this one. Head off to Asia for, specifically, the South Asian Football Federation final. Now, what exactly is that? What does that mean? Well, the AFC is the Asian Continental Federation. But they are subdivided into several different uh, subgroups or uh, sub-federations This is one of them, the SAFF And they have a championship every other year Tell you a little bit about this year Is that the uh, group has seven member associations is all And only five of them happened to enter this particular year I have to note that one of them was uh, Pakistan that was not involved In fact, they were supposed to have been the hosts When it was going to be held last year It's normally held in the even years, 2020 But uh, they were found, I believe the technical term is Naughty by FIFA uh, Guilty of uh, having third party interference in their FA Whenever the government or other third parties Get too heavily involved and take away a lot of the power FIFA tends to step in So Pakistan were found naughty in their sight Then the event was going to get held in Bangladesh But they decided not to have it there because of COVID It looked like Nepal was going to have it They put together a fairly strong bid But they got beaten out by Maldives So the final, in fact I believe all the games in the event Have been held in the capital city of Malay Now, how did they get here to the final? Well, the five teams played a single round-robin tournament The top two moved on to the final And your finalists are India versus the somewhat surprising Nepalese contingent Nepal their football has been doing very well in fact congratulations to them just last year they got their very first fully professional Premier League I have been covering their semi-pro one for a couple years between the podcast and the website that's all I'm going to give you about this event because at least once per podcast we try to make a little quid off of one of these matches how do we do that well we cheat, quite frankly, able to touch the universal infinite with his mind, presumably, is our in-house 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noobstradamus, who we have encouraged once again this week to uh, put himself in a trance, get himself uh, affected by prescription drugs, whatever he has to do, to have a wonderful and meaty vision to tell us how this match is going to uh, turn out. Take it away, almighty soothsayer.
1: No greetings for you today from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece, not this day, greetings from the Five Star Universal Resort on Vihamanafish, Maldives. From my beach via I raise my glass of raw to you, a fermented tea from palm trees, refreshing in this equatorial climate. Alcohol is not consumed here by locals, but they were happy to let the raw ferment extra long, so that by imbibing enough I can... oh yes, here it comes... travel through space and time... Whee! Unsurprisingly, My vision has me right where I was, but the year is 1971. I'm traveling with an Italian travel agent, George Corbin, very much wanted to find pristine tropical islands, unadulterated by the touch of civilized man, and adulterate them. Well, at least bring tourists for hunting and swimming. Atoll to atoll, island to island we go on the gorgeous little Dahoni trading vessel I'd been gifted for our local travel. Motored, but I knew how to sail using just the latine sails. The isle where my corporeal body lies was just an, an uninhabited coconut plantation then. My montage of visions takes me through helping construct the three humble lodgings we built for the first visitors-to-be, and then to helping oversee the upgrades to the single airship on Hulhule to accommodate more that wish to see this oceanic paradise, and then to snorkeling. Ah, the coral reef ecosystem, teeming with sea turtles, whale dolphins, and GAH! Barracudas? Forgot about those critters. I snap myself out of that particular vision. Despite the pleasantness of the visions, I awake from my trance state into one of despair. This is the lowest lying place on Earth. Rising sea levels will take away what I helped build here. Without serious solutions, the whole country will be uninhabitable in under a century, not long by my aged perspective. Noob, I don't know who will win this football match, only that it will end zero to zero, and then someone will have to advance via penalty kicks. I have seen, and I have spoken. MATCH Match NUMBER
0: FOUR! Rich and inviting, I say that vision was, and uh, for the first time ever, we really don't know based on what he said who's going to win. But given the information that we did get, perhaps there are sports books out there that will have betting line options that will make that information useful. Here's the hoping, especially given that Dun 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 Nostradamus actually got the score last week correct exactly from the UEFA Nations League final. So I hope you got to tune in to last week's episodes because he hasn't been right a whole lot, to be perfectly honest. It's only the second time he's been spot on. In any case, on to match number four. And by the way, the first three matches were Saturday matches. We like to keep things chronologically oriented. This is the first of our Sunday matches. And now we are going to rock America proper. Major League Soccer is... Our target this time, they've only got six matches to go into the season, and we're going to look at the Hudson River Derby. That is number nine New York Red Bulls in the East, trying to get above the number seven line and get into the playoff situation, taking on number six and hanging on to their playoff spot for the moment, NYCFC. And by the way, longer time footy fans, especially those who like the European footy, yes, I said derby on purpose, not derby. When I could find, and I've got something of a linguistic background, you find me another American English word Where we pronounce the E with an ah sound And maybe I'll start calling it a derby over here It's a derby over here Murica bleep, yeah Anyway, as far as this series uh, New York Red Bulls have had the best of it over the last 20 With an 11-3-6 record against their counterparts uh, Here's how the table looks uh, NYCFC are currently tied in the table As far as the number of points uh, with uh, DC United and Montreal, the right the, in the middle of those three for the uh, tiebreaker that is goal differential. And then New York Red Bulls trail all of them by only two. And I believe it's Atlanta United that's in between. They played once before this season. New York Red Bulls won it on the road, nil one. And you can watch this one Sunday afternoon on ESPN or ESPN Deportes, one o'clock Eastern time. The Red Bulls, let's hit up on them first. Uh They are called New York, but actually play over on the Jersey side in the Newark suburb of Harrison. Uh, They have never won the MLS Cup, which is the overall league title, but they have won the Supporters' Shield, which is the best overall record in the entire league three different times, 2013, 15, and 18. And then uh, after that 2018 season, they made the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals, that's the farthest they've ever gone internationally. Last year they finished in just 6th place In the East, not too bad And then they fell out of the playoffs in the very first round This year they have had to lean heavily On their defense, which is top 3 But because their offense is only ninth best In the the league Or in the conference rather uh, Definitely below average That puts them right in the middle at uh, tied for number 6 Overall in goal differential So based on that key metric I think this is a team that has a chance to climb up And snag one of those last playoff spots The question is will they make that move Sunday. Tied for number three in goalkeeping statistics, Clean Sheets is a guy I was unfamiliar with uh, from Brazil, Carlos Miguel Coronel. He is actually on loan here from Red Bull Salzburg. A lot of players tend to move back and forth in that corporate Red Bull pipeline, which I think is kind of cool. He has also played with a couple other American teams in Pennsylvania. I know Philadelphia Union fans will be familiar with him, and he also played with the former second division and now currently independent uh, Bethlehem Steel. Best all-around player that probably got going is Sean Davis. He's a central defensive midfielder. He is excellent at open space. It's got to be really nice to have a guy in the middle who can get the ball on defense and not just have to pass it away to get out of danger. This is a guy, he may not be a box-to-box player, but he is definitely not afraid to challenge some people, take them on, and he's excellent on his dribbling statistics. Team leading score, what offense they do get, is courtesy of the feet of Patrick Klimala from Poland. He's a center central forward. He played with a uh, second best team over in Scotland last year, Celtic. As far as team's current form, they are 3-2-0 over their last five, even though they've never managed to score more than one goal in a single game. I told you, it's all defense with them. And their home record of late is kind of noteworthy. They're only 1-3-1 and at home over their last five, so they're definitely uh, defeatable at home. Now, NYCFC, the Pigeons, which is a cool nickname, but Uh, They're still not one of my favorites because they're part of a city football group, one of these uh, mega conglomerations. They've got the New York Yankees, Manchester United, It's hard if you're not from there, I think, to root for that particular team. In any case, uh, best they've done was in 2019. They won the Eastern Conference, and then the subsequent year, they actually made it all the way to the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. That's their best international finish. Last year, number five finished in the Eastern Conference, and they fell out of the playoffs in the first round. This year, they've been very well balanced. I think they're in a better position overall, at least by looking at the stats, to uh, climb up uh, into the standings Uh, Probably not get to host a home game, but I think they should get a fairly winnable match in the playoffs. Top four four offense and defense, and number three goal differential. Top ten scorers, there's uh, Argentinian powerhouse of a guy, Valentin Castellanos. He's just 23 years old. They're a little lucky, I think, to still have him. He had been rumored for many, many months to probably be on his way out, and it looked like he was going to be heading back to uh, Brazil, top football country in South America. Sorry, Argentinian. Argentinian fans but it is Brazil He was going to be going to a, a Club powerhouse called Palmeiras, But it appears for the moment that won't Be happening in May he signed a five year Deal to stay in New York Good on him and then on the assist leaderboard, another Argentinian attacking midfielder and much longer in the soccer tooth, I want to say he's 33, uh, is uh, Maximiliano Morales, fun name to say. Spent the heart of his career with uh, Atalanta, one of the better teams over at Italy's top flight, the Serie A. And uh, sort of a late bloomer, uh, number seven statistical goalkeeper is theirs, named Sean Johnson. Spent the heart of his career with Chicago Fire, which is why I wasn't familiar with him, because the Fire haven't been very good in a long time, quite frankly. but. The team's current form is concerned. They're only 0-2-2 in their last three, and they haven't scored in their last three matches. My thought on this is you're going to get a 0-0 or a 1-1 draw, and the good news for NYCFC on the road here is if you can even get one goal, you've got probably a three-quarters chance of actually winning this match.
1: Match number five.
0: We're going to stay stateside, but head over to the women's side of things for a match from their top flight, the NWSL. There's only two matches left in the season for the two teams we're going to talk about. That's number four Houston Dash. They're playing host to number one Portland Thorns. Before I want to get into that, I do want to share a piece of great news, I believe, for the league. Uh, The league playoff final has been scheduled to be played in Portland. Nothing wrong with that. Noon kickoff, nothing wrong with that either, until you realize it was going to be a noon Eastern time kickoff If they wanted to get a good TV slot They were going to be forced to basically kick this game off Where it was being played at 9 in the darn morning For a top flight professional league That just It, it didn't look good I am so glad the NWSO was able to move it They are now going to have it in Louisville It's still going to be a noon kickoff But it'll actually be noon in Louisville So a much better thing for them Hey, the gals can get some breakfast before they play Sort of appropriate for professional players In any case, talking about the match Let's look at the standings first Now Portland are number one And they have already secured a playoff spot By the way, the top six teams out of the ten All go to the playoffs And the top two will get to automatically go to uh, Straight through to the semifinals Portland have already got a spot sewn up which stands to reason they're number one with only two matches left to play. They have not quite mathematically secured a top two spot yet, but just barely. Number seven, New Jersey, New York, Gotham. Yeah, way down the standings, but they still have a technical effect on things or could because they have four matches left instead of two. So if things fall absolutely perfectly Bad for Portland and a whole host of matches across the league. They could fall to like number three. It's probably not going to happen, and they're going to get to go through to the semifinals. Things are dicier for the Houston Dash. They are currently tied for that number four spot with two other teams, but they're ahead of them on goal differential, uh, Chicago and uh, North Carolina. So the three of them are going to be sort of playing a piece of musical chairs, potentially if New Jersey and New York can manage to do anything in their last four games, somebody's going to get left out of the playoff mix. In any case, as far as the series between these two teams, Portland have easily had the best of it with a 9-4-4 and record. The road teams have won both times the two teams have played so far this year. Houston won in a shootout 2-3 on the road, and then Portland won 0-1 when they went to Houston. You can catch this match if you choose to on Paramount Plus, 7 o'clock Eastern time. We'll talk about the challengers, even though they're a home first, number four. For Houston. Last year, they were only in seventh place, and that's pretty standard for them. They've never won the playoffs regular season uh, yeah, this is a team without a lot of history of success, to be perfectly honest. So it'd be great if they can make the playoffs. This year, the offense has been leading way, but the defense is the third worst in the league. Tied for number one in league scoring is Rachel Daly. She is from England, and she plays all over the place. She's a 4 of but also plays just about as much fullback for them. She's been with the club since 2016. And on the assist leader board, and this threw me for a moment, her name's Christy Mewis I sort of thought I recognized the name, but something was odd about it. She plays midfielder, by the way. I finally figured it out. There's a gal on the women's national team named Sam Christie Christy is her older sister. She's actually earned 30 national team caps of her own, but she started earning those in 2013 before uh, old noob here was really following football very much at uh, men's or women's at any level. Now, Portland, they do have some history of success. The Thorns have won the league title twice, most recently in 2017. They've also won the supporter shield once in 2016. Last year, they made the playoff semifinals after finishing number three in the league. This year, second-best offense, number one defense. They don't even average allowing a goal per match, and that's good for the number one overall league goal differential. Tied for number five in league scoring is Sophia Smith. She's just 21 years old, could be a real force at forward for them for a long time. Uh, the gal who's been leading the way for them, though, has been Bella Bixby. We've talked about her in a lot of episodes before. She's their goalkeeper. But doing a little bit more research, and she's uh, done a lot of time with the women's national team as well, I think their most important player in a way, might be uh, Lindsay Horan She's their central midfielder She's excellent on passing Great at tackling, great at dribbling in open space The only way you beat this team Really, I think, is if you shut her down You've got to control the middle Force them out to the wings That's what Houston's going to, try to have to do at home She's also got a goal of three assists on the air she spent her first four professional years with what at the time was the second best team in France, might be the best now, PSG, and then she's been here ever since. But the team's form compared to Houston's, by the way, if I didn't mention it, Houston had won three straight before a really surprising, even though it was on the road, lost to last place Kansas City. They got their they got their, uh, uh, took as kicked, quite frankly, 0-3. But Portland are 0-2-2 in their last four I don't think there's any doubt that Portland is easily the superior team It just doesn't seem to be that they're terribly motivated Because they basically got a top two spot sewn up I think that's good news for Houston And that at home, Houston should be able to get a result Which means at least a draw for this match Kiddies taking over or just to sound that really means, it's time for us to do a recap of last week's episode matches. Let's say that it's the latter of those. Match number one was a Saturday match from the USL League One. Number one, Union Omaha took on number three, Greenville Triumph. And it was the Triumph coming out on top of the road win, 0-1. The guy we set to look out for, possible man of the match, Marios Lomas, had gold. There was no change for either team in table position. Match number B was from the NISA, NISA, here in the U.S., number four, Stump Town AC, on number B, LA Force, and the result was a nil-nil draw, and that actually, in conjunction with other matches, dropped the Force down to number three. Match number three was from the women's top flight in Mexico, Liga MX Femenil, their Apertura opening stage season. Number one, T-Grace UANL took on number B, Monterey, and it was the league powerhouse t coming out on top 2-1. No change for these teams in table position. Sunday, match number four was the UEFA Nations League Finals. Congratulations to Newt Stradamus for the second time in just over a year of doing this show. He actually, one of his crazy visions turned out right. It was, in fact, France on paper the visitors coming out on top over Spain, one to two. Congratulations, Newt Stradamus. Uh, match number five was the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying Match number four at the table at the time, Panama, taking on number three, United States. And it was Panama coming out on top one nil a guy that we said would be key to the match and was annabelle godai who plays defensive midfielder for nashville in major league soccer and had a goal match number six from the panamanian top flight lpf league in their Clausura stage you have number one in the western division independiente taking on number one in the east toro and it was the home side winning one 0 no change for these teams in their table position match number seven was a world qualifying match world cup qualifying match rather from africa where we had number b in their table benin taking on number one tanzania and it was tanzania the lowest seeded team left in the tournament if memory serves getting out on top with a one 0 road win Guy, uh, we said that um, might be critical turned out was Simon Msuba had the only goal and that means that Tanzania actually lead their table with two group stage matches to go that's critical because only the winners in Africa actually get to move on out of each of the groups Monday match number 8 from the Premier League of Soccer in Quebec their third division number 3 Celtics Duhat Richelieu a plate host to number 1 CS Montreal Outremont and it was the visitors coming out on top 1-2 to two. no changes there in table position. Match number nine was from the Asian Cup qualification final. Second leg of a home and away two-legged tie between Chinese Taipei or Taiwan, if you prefer taking on Indonesia. And the result was a 0 three win for Indonesia, which concludes the home and away tie. Indonesia will advance. And as they won one to five on aggregate match, number 10 was a Wednesday match. It was the USA. Once again, in world cup qualification, uh, they got to play host to Costa Rica. And this time after giving up a very early goal, came back to win two to one. So as things finished out for this particular international window, uh, USA are in second place in the table of the eight, in position to move on if they can hold on to it into the World Cup. Costa Rica are at number five. And then your bonus matches, explanations on these coming later. The route of the week came from the Canadian Soccer League between last place Uru FA and number one Vorkuta. And unsurprisingly, it was the semi protein Vorkuta beating the kids 0 4. The most meaningless match in the world was the signing match out of the top flight for the ladies of Denmark, the Elite Divisionen. Number six, Kolding Q, took on number four, Brøndby IF, and it was Brøndby coming out on top 0-1. Uh, a gal that we said could be woman in the match probably was, Nana Christensen, had a goal, and that moves Brøndby actually up to number three in the table. Not so meaningless, perhaps, after all. And then finally, your matchup, Disappointed, a Saturday match once again from Nisa. They're in their falls season here in the u.s number 10 and last place, chicago haos ac took on number nine san diego 1904 fc and it was chicago coming out on top one nil that moved them all the way up to number eight and slid san diego back down in the last place that concludes your recap from last week's matches now let's jump back into the current week's tracking with match number six For our sixth match, we swing back over to Europe to the Bundesliga. That's the top flight in Germany, which is the fourth-ranked league in Europe. Uh, The top four from big leagues like this all get to go to the Champions League, not just the winners. Then the next one down, the standings will go to the Europa League. And one more slot down from that will go to the aforementioned Europa Conference League. Who is going to ever be able to slay the giant that is Bayern Munich? They are number one and on the road for this match, taking on current number B, Bayer Leverkusen. Munich currently lead in the table by just four on goal differential. They're actually tied on points. As far as the recent series, like with all the teams they've played, it's been all Bayern. They lead uh, with a 15-5-5 record. You can catch this Sunday morning, 9.30 at ESPN Plus, and that's as always Eastern time as we do for this show, let's talk about the home challengers Leverkusen. Uh, that's the name of the city they play out of. It's in the west central part of the country. Uh, hundred sixty-five thousand. There's a lot of uh, medium-sized cities over there. It borders uh, Cologne to the south, for example. This club if, is not one that you are overly familiar with. It's not. It's because it's not one of the better liked clubs over there. They're very proud of the fact that all of their clubs, for the most part, are uh, are grassroots oriented and not corporate. So that's the reason that they don't like Red Bull Leipzig. And it's the reason a lot of people in the country don't like this one. It's no coincidence that they're Bayer Leverkusen. That is Bayer, the uh, pharmaceutical company, the aspirin maker, if you will, with the cross on top. Now, they're even though they are a corporate, uh, seen as a corporate club, they're not nearly as hated as Leipzig. Because even though it's not a working class club or wasn't founded in that Way It's still been a very family-friendly organization And the club was actually started by workers of the company way back in the 1920s Because of that, uh, that is basically the only reason that the club is allowed to have Bayer in their name Normally you have to, uh, like Red Red Bull Leipzig isn't really known as Red Bull Leipzig Over in the Bundesliga, they don't generally allow uh, corporate sponsors to actually be part of the uh, team name So Bayer is something of an exception As far as the soccer, the team has won, uh, not won, but rather they have finished in second place in the league five different times and yet have never won the title. And that's a record in Germany in that particular fashion. uh, Last time that they finished in second place was a decade ago. Uh, they have won internationally before, but it was the Europa League, or, and they didn't even call it that. It was far enough back, 1987-88. Champions League, they actually finished in second place back in 2001-2002, which in European football terms isn't that long ago. Uh, last year they finished in sixth place. Uh, This year, they have the second-best offense, scoring almost three goals per match, and they are tied for third-best on defense, allowing exactly one goal per match. They've been very good and very well balanced. Uh, From your European Championships recently, the darling from the Czech Republic was Patrick Schick. Or Sheik, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but he is the league number three scorer. Uh, scorer plays for this team, again, from che- the Czech Republic forward, just 25 years old. Very tall at six foot three, so he is excellent in the air, likes to score that way. Uh, this summer, to be perfectly honest, people thought he wasn't going to be able to uh, stay with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. They thought that he would be with a club like Liverpool. In June, it looked like he was going to be heading there. 2017 through 20, he was with Roma. I should say. So it's surprising that it's bear that he is with now. In any case, uh, the most interesting side note about him is he was going to try and be a male model. I read that. and I, I looked up some pictures and admittedly I happened to be married to a gal. I've got my daughter. This is not the side of the plate that I swing from, but I got to be honest. I looked at him and I didn't see the whole modeling thing. I'm glad the football has worked out well. In any case, number one honest, assist. That got weird. Uh, Florian Wirtz. He's a German attacking midfield, just 18 years old. He's already got four national team caps. Uh, he's got the uh, the stamina of youth. He uh, plays box to box and sideline to sideline. He just never quits running. He'll be very easy to spot on the field if you watch this match. Um, it's not going to be likely he's with this team a ton longer uh, For some reason, uh, Bayern Munich are not looking at him really, really hard And yet all of the top six traditionals in the uh, English Premier League are Man City is the most likely transfer spot But I wouldn't put money on them versus uh, anybody else over there snagging him But a move to England looks somewhat imminent And their goalkeeping has been very good. Three clean sheets on the year. Lukas Hradecki, another uh, member of the Czech Republic. He was with Eintracht Frankfurt for three years before coming over here in 2018. And he's actually, even though he's listed as being from the Czech Republic, he reps for the Finnish national team. Must have some lineage there. He's made 72 national team appearances for Finland since 2010. As far as the team's current form, they have won Five straight across all competitions. They have not conceded a single goal in their last three. This is the time that you want to play Munich, if there's ever a time you want to play Munich. They have won 31 league titles, nine straight for newer fans. Nobody's beaten them for as long as I've been following football. They've won the Champions League titles six times, most recently just two years ago. They've also won the FIFA Club World Cup twice, most recently last year. Number one offense in the league, scoring more than three per game. Tied for number three on defense, number one overall goal differential. Uh, Their superstar, uh, obviously, if you're anything close to a veteran, you will know, so this is just for the newest folks. Name you want to look for in the box score or be watching for on the field from Munich is Robert Lewandowski. He's a pole, he's a striker, he is a veteran, and he still has not quit scoring. He is one of the greats in the world. On the assist board, one of their two best in this fashion, uh, annually Joshua Kimmich he's a midfielder who also plays from right back so he's very versatile the team's form they had won nine straight across all competitions before a very surprising 2-1 home loss to number 13 Eintracht Frankfurt
1: match number seven
0: Yet another Sunday match. We're headed back over to Asia where they are having their Champions League and they're in the knockout stage, the quarterfinals. They're also going to be having the semifinals later this week, but we're obviously doing a quarterfinal match because we actually know what teams to talk about. I wish we were going to get to talk about the semifinals. Obviously, we will pick up the final when they play that. The match we're going to look at is Pohang Steelers playing out of South Korea versus Nagoya Grampus 8, which is a really fun-named team out of the uh, Japanese top league. The winner is going to get to play uh, Jeonbuk Hyundai or Olsan Hyundai that are both out of the South Korean top league. As far as the series, uh, there really hasn't been much of one. They've played uh, a couple of times in recent years, if ever. And uh, Nagoya Grampus uh, leads them with a 1-1-0 record. But let's talk about the Steelers first from Pohang in South Korea. That is an east, sort of southeast poor city. Uh, Just over a half a million people probably in the metro they play in the K-League one, which is the number three ranked league in all of Asia. They're currently only in seventh place in the league, not having the best year domestically. Seventh best offense, sixth best defense. The real slip compared to last year has been on offense. Last year, they led the league in that category and were scoring over two goals per match. What offense they are getting now, the team leading scorer is uh, Lim Sang-Hube. He's a uh, veteran winger for them. Top three in the league in assists is Kang Sang-Woo. He has spent his entire career here except for one year right in the middle where he was playing with the top flight Army team. I was a little bit surprised to uh, be so unfamiliar with Pohang. They've actually won the Champions League three different times, albeit most recently in 2009, which was several years before I really started following the sport. San is not just a character name. It is my life. But those three wins, that actually ties them with a few other teams for the most ever in Asia. They qualified for this year's event by finishing number three in the league last year. And that was their fir- uh, this is their first appearance now in five years. In the group stage for this event They were the last team to get to advance In all the groups, uh, all the winners advanced Obviously, and then of the runners-up You had to be one of the three best Second-place finishers, and they were the Third and last of those to get to advance And who was it that beat them in their group? Well, Nagoya Grampus 8 So here they are once again History repeating itself or something like that In any case, how do they advance to this? Well, this is the second round of the knockout stage In the round of 16, they played a different Japanese club, Gamba Osaka on the road And won 0-1, very impressive As far as the team's current form uh, They just won a league Match within the last few days And that ended a three-match skid for them The really disappointing thing is it's uh, The problems have been on both sides of the field They have managed to uh, lose both High and low scoring matches I don't think that bodes well for them especially because you're taking on a team from the top league in Asia in Nagoya Grampus. And By the way, I've talked about them once before, but it's just so fun because I had no idea what the Grampus was. It's actually a dolphin. I assumed it was going to be some sort of corporate name, but it's uh, it might be in the West more known as a Rizzo's dolphin. I'm not sure. But in any case, there you go. Aquatic life. Uh, they have won only one league title ever before. That was in 2010. And they made the Champions League round of 16 the following year. This is uh, something of a yo yo team. They got, uh, I'm not familiar with them because they were spending some time in the J2 league. They got re promoted back here to the top flight just in 2017. Here it's late in their domestic season And they are in third place they are tied With Vissel Kobe uh, For that very last the top three teams Get to go to the Champions League so They're in the Champions League and fighting For a spot in next year's high drama Uh, The problem has not Been defense they're excellent on that side of the ball Second best overall but offense Is number 12 well below average Even though it's the top league that puts Them at the number five goal differential Overall in Japan Uh, Their best all-around player or the very Least offensive player Is the singularly named uh, Mateus from Brazil He is the right winger He is tied for the team lead In scoring at seven He's a really good tackler For an offensive guy And I'm surprised that he excels In this particular These particular ways Because if you see somebody Who's five, six running around the field At least I would automatically think Midfielder But he's really good at defensive tactics With the tackling And then he's the team leading scorer Go figure He is also on the event scoring leaderboard He's got four Champions League goals this year The team qualified for the event by finishing in third place in last year's J-1 League. They won the group stage, as we mentioned before. Uh, They went 5-1-0. They were just dominant with a 14-2 goal differential. Uh, They beat, uh, to advance, they beat Daegu FC 4-2 at home in the round of 16. That said, it sounds like them just winning, winning, winning should be dominant, but their recent form, they're 0-1-2 in their last three. So how do I think this is going to turn out? I think it's going to be all Nagoya all the time. And one of the keys is not only they're from the stronger league, but I took a closer look and those two losses were both league cup matches. I talked before about you've got a country's top league and then you've got their FA Cup. Those are the two most important events. There's usually a tertiary event in most countries called the League Cup. And given, again, the high drama of trying to earn a spot in next year's and, you know, trying to win in the Champions League this year, I'll bet they haven't been playing any starters in those League Cup matches.
1: Match number eight.
0: New Bites, you deserve a break, so you get Monday off. We didn't happen to have any matches that made our cut there. And Tuesday, you're gonna we're gonna at least really start off with a quasi break because we're not going to talk about a football match. This is usually the point of the podcast that I sort of arbitrarily decide that I'm going to do what I talked about at the beginning of the show, and that is take us on a little adventure where we're learning about the world through the lens of soccer, or maybe more. Accurately said, using using a podcast about soccer as an excuse to just learn about the world in general And I like to learn about food Now, the match that we would be talking about here is from on it. It's Tuesday from UEFA's Champions League, the most important international club tournament in the world They're in their group stage Here's how the event is set up, because I want to give you a little bit about this match The event, they're uh, divided into groups of four, all the teams The top two are going to advance after they play a double round robin They'll advance to the knockout stage. The number three finishers out of each of these groups and out of the four teams will all drop down to the secondary tournament that I mentioned before, the Europa League. Their international season will not be done. Now, the most intriguing matchup looks to me, even though it's pretty early here in the double round, robin. there are only two matches in, looks to me like uh, second place in their table, Club Brugge out of Belgium. They're from Bruges, but the club, I believe, is pronounced Brugge because it's got two Gs, unlike the city, which has one. And they're playing host to third place in the table, Man City. Club Brugge and PSG out of France's League One are tied at the top of the table with four after two matches. And then Man City are just a point back at three. Uh, The reason I think this is such an intriguing matchup is Club Brugge, while they are the dominant force in their league, this is not one of the top five leagues in Europe by any stretch. They're usually the sort of the team that is fighting for that third-place slot and hoping to stay alive with their international season. So it's nice to see them still alive and looking like they might be able to advance to the group stage. Now, this all said, we're not going to talk anymore about the match. Let's get into food, one of my favorite things to learn about in the world. If you're not in the mood for a long recipe, I understand it. That's okay. You're probably listening on your phone and have a fast-forward button. Feel free to move on to match number nine. It won't hurt my feelings, but I just love Learning about this kind of stuff I've even been to Belgium And I wasn't familiar with this And as a tournament Scrabble player I am familiar with the word But not the particulars of what it meant It's called Water Zooey W-A-T-E-R, water, then Z-O-O-I I found a few pronunciations The most common thing seems to be pronounced At Water Zoo. so if I'm Americanizing That, I apologize to anybody from Belgium I know we've had listeners in that general part Of the world before In any case, this is a Flemish Or from the area of Flanders, that half of the country It is a fish stew And I'll just jump right into the uh, Recipe, because there's poaching involved First thing you've got to do Is make what's called the poaching Broth, or if you want to be fancy about it, the court bouillon. Whoops. And here I have fast forwarded way too far down my own notes. There we go, because we don't want to skip anything and ruin the recipe. Here's a list of the things that you're going to need. Uh, You're going to need uh, yellow onion specifically, that's going to be diced. You're going to need a leek, and that is going to very specifically be sliced, important for the texture. Uh, You're also going to need uh, a bunch of celery just for the leaves, you're going to roughly chop those. Uh, A small carrot, peeled and chopped, you're going to want some parsley, garlic gently smashed, um, bay leaf. Uh, maybe about a dozen peppercorns if you're uh, making this for four, uh, coriander seeds, and obviously some water. It is a stew after all. And then for the soup proper, you're going to want unsalted butter for this. Uh, You've got that small uh, leek that you're going to use in here, the onion, the celery, the carrots. Uh, You're going to be adding for the soup proper about two and a half cups of the bouillon is what you're going to end up with. Even though you'll start with something like six cups of water, a lot of it's going to evaporate off. And then as far as your actual entree there about three quarters of a pound of alaskan uh cod will do it's a, it's not the most traditional it's a burbot fish that is the most traditional fish but you can use cod for this it's much easier to find you want a white flaky fish basically Gonna cut that into about one and a half inch size uh, strip pieces, by the way. And then uh, a lot of people have different tastes on wine. Uh, the recipe I found really suggested a cup of a Sauvignon Blanc, a white wine, but really any dry white's gonna do. And then you've got those parsley leaves on hand. So before you can start on the soup, you have gotta start with the cork bouillon. The vegetables and the water have been dumped into a small stock pot and brought to a simmer over medium heat, and then you leave it to cook uncovered. Very important. The broth going to need to cook for about a half hour. Um, you're going to cut that that leek um, lengthwise. You want it very, very synth, thinly sliced, and it may not look like much, but I've seen this and it ends up being a lot more volume in the recipe than you had originally uh, realize once you've got it slice that way, you've got the remaining vegetables that you've uh, you know cut up and diced, and you've got that cod cup, again about one and a half peaches, P- one and a half inch pieces. Now a good quart bouillon is essential to the poaching because whatever kind of meat or fish you're using, whatever you put it in, the moisture, some of the moisture from your meat's going to come out, some of whatever other liquid is, osmotically is going to go in. So you've got to have a really good poaching broth. Well. Sure, you could just do water, but then it's going to be flavorless. and so what would be the point? So now, once the half hour of simmering is done, uh, you drain that uh, court bouillon over a bowl. To build the soup first, the vegetables, uh, you've sweated those and uh, got about two tablespoons of butter over medium low heat that you melted. You soften it, but not brown. That should take about eight minutes depending on the heat you're using. Then you add the fish to the pot, immediately cover it up, cup, put in the wine, cover it up. You'll have two and a half cups of pork The rest, anything that's left over, take it out and refrigerate it for some other kind of use. You only want about two and a half cups in there. Salt and pepper to taste. Now the liquid is still hot when it's added, so you should be able to simmer it very quickly. Once it is simmering, uh, keep the pot covered for about 12 minutes. You want the fish done. But just barely done otherwise you're going to get a a very despite all this bullion you're going to end up with a very dry or at the very least mealy sort of texture with your fish not what you want the cod and most of the vegetables uh you fish that out of the soup uh the basket strainer uh get those into a bowl for right now and uh hope that you can do everything quick enough that those stay hot that's ideal and then as far as that you've got your broth separated now what you're going to do two egg yolks you drop those in a small mixing bowl quarter cup cream, you whisk that until you get a smooth mixture, about a half a cup of the broth, you slowly drizzle that into the egg and cream mixture while you're still whisking it, gradually bringing the eggs up to the same temperature, but make sure that they don't curdle. That is one of the big enemies uh, with any sort of uh, poached egg recipe. Now, this tempered egg and cream mixture, you introduce that to the rest of the hot broth, but not boiling again, simmering. Unless you're gonna end up with what looks like scrambled eggs, not to mention curdled cream in your soup. Again, curdling is the enemy. Fish and vegetables, you've divided those into in serving bowls already. Now you can top those with the creamy broth, garnish with a little bit of chopped parsley, and your water zooey is ready to eat. Now, if you've it's really hard to make it look bad from everything i've read that's one of the reasons this is a favorite dish to prepare in both homes and restaurants over there you can make mediocre ones as far as taste but at the very least this is a very very pretty dish it's always going to look nice the cream and the egg liaison if you will that you've used to thicken the broth should give the smooth super smooth and almost a custard-like flavor it's going to end up a little bit on the sweet side believe it or not it's going to highlight it's going to highlight the uh the fish flavors in there. And again, despite the fact that this is a fairly long recipe for me to have given you, I really encourage you to Google it up, I'm sure you have been writing down, and give this a shot make something that sounds exotic, but ultimately isn't gonna be that difficult. And so who knows, you might be able to enjoy this sometime while you're watching uh, footy, Belgian or otherwise, with your group of footy-minded friends.
1: Match number nine.
0: Next, we come back to the States once again for another Major League Soccer match. During non-international break times, like the one we just got through, I try to do two MLS matches per month with our new name, new format, with it being Soccer Noob Rock in America instead of just 10 to track. Mostly the same show, but just a little bit more uh, U.S. and regionally focused for us. And this is the best matchup of the week. Number three in the West, Colorado Rapids playing host to number one in the West, Seattle Sounders. Now, again, with the caveat that this was uh, how things looked at the time I scouted the game. Because this is a Wednesday match, there will have been matches played in between. So things will have shifted a little bit, at least more than likely. But anyway, at scouting time, Seattle leading the West at 57 points. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, second place with 52. Colorado in third with 51, and it looks like it's going to be those three for the title because Portland has fallen a little bit back. There's just a few games left in the season, and they're back at 46 points. Seattle has absolutely Owned the Rapids uh, Their uh, series in recent seasons Seattle has won 21 of the 29 matches, they've got a couple of draws As well, uh, now this season Not completely fruitless for uh, Colorado, they played twice this year Seattle, they just played on October 3rd Seattle beat them at home 3-0 pretty soundly But at least Colorado got a little Bit of blood out of them and they uh, got a, Earned a point, got a 1-1 draw against them at home earlier in the season You can catch this match Again, Wednesday, 9 o'clock Eastern time, ESPN+. Plus. More than likely you are catching that stream online. Let's talk about Colorado first. Uh, don't believe they've ever won the league, but or no, they have won one league title, 2010, and then they've made two CONCACAF Champions League appearances. Most recent one was 2018. That said, so they never really had any luck there. They'd never gotten past that initial group stage. Last year in the Western Conference, they finished in fifth, and they were out of the playoffs in the first round this year statistically the offense is good number five but the defense is where they've really been shining they've got the second best defense going in the west they allow only one goal per match key players to look for tied for number three in league assist probably their best overall offensive player jack price he's our midfielder from over in england uh, he was with wolverhampton which is a little bit more impressive than it sounds because Wolverhampton has been in the Premier League the last few years. He was with them when they were mainly a championship side, which is the second division over there from 2011 through 18. But still, that's one of the top 15 leagues in the world. And their goalkeeper, William Yarbrough from Mexico. He's been a little bit of a late bloomer. He spent seven years in Liga MX south of the border with Leon. Not one of the best teams down there, but certainly not a bad one either. So that's you know a, an impressive resume as well. As far as the team's current form, <laughs> they they really want to make up for last year in the playoffs. They are trying to get hot at the right time. Their only loss, you mentioned remember, I mentioned they had just played recently and they had lost to Seattle 0-3 at Seattle. That is their only loss since July 24th. It has just been it hasn't been all wins. There have been a lot of draws in there, but they haven't lost since late July. Just incredible. And yet Seattle is the team that is their nemesis. And I still think we'll get a result out of this somehow. Uh, Seattle have won the league title twice, 2016 and 19. They've also won the supporter Shield once. That was in 2014. CONCACAF champions league best run they ever had was in 2012 they made the semifinals last year they got as far as the round of 16 good not great they've already qualified for the playoffs but that said they're still going to be aiming to get one of those uh top two spots so they get to advance straight through to the semifinals this is not a team that will ever be asleep probably last year they finished in second place in the west made it all the way to the playoff semifinals this year, second best offense in the league, number one defense. So, this could be something of a low scoring affair. It might not be the most exciting match to watch for newer fans who are looking for offense, but for the more veteran fans I have that are listening, this is, if you're normally watching European and not MLS, this is the match you want to watch because you'll get it. It's probably going to be low scoring and still. Really, really exciting. Seattle doesn't even allow a goal per match. Uh, tied for second place in league scoring, uh, that's Raul Ruiz Diaz. We've mentioned him many times before. Their forward, a Peruvian veteran known as the Flea because of his short stature. Been here since 2018. Spent the year before that with a darn good club down in Liga MX uh, Morelia. Also, top ten in the in the entire league, not just the conference, for assists is Joao uh, Joao Paulo Mior from Brazil, midfielder. Uh, spent the biggest chunk of his career with one of his home country clubs, Botafogo, which isn't one of the best ones, but it's far from one of the worst. That's a. I really think that I'm starting. to – The more I follow soccer, the more I'm starting to realize. I think that Brazil's league. And Because their best players are all over in Europe And ours are starting to get there I think the two leagues are pretty even So I love watching games with these Brazilian guys in them Red Hot for the team right now Those are your statistical leaders, But Red Hot is an American veteran named, named Will Bruin Here's the, He's their striker He had a goal and an assist both in their last match So You know, this is uh, if he can keep that going, they're going to be very hard to stop because normally he's laying the ball off to, you know, guys like Rui Diaz. Uh, He spent six years in Houston before coming over here. As far as the team's current form, four straight wins, and the offense has been more than impressive. They've got 12 goals over those four matches.
1: And match number 10, we're done. Finally.
0: The last of our ten official matches that we're tracking before we get into the super fun three bonus matches, it's going to be a bit of a unique experience. We've not done this on the show before. Uh, let's talk a little bit about domestic uh, tournaments structure, like we did earlier. Let's review. Talk about teams having their top flight or Premier League. Then we talked about the second most important event, usually being the FA Cup, that knockout thing. And we even made brief mention of another tournament that's also played of the same kind of tertiary importance, called the League Cup. Well, there is something else that a lot of countries have, maybe even most countries, called a Super Cup. Now, that sounds really, really important. And I'm here to tell you, we will never cover those here because it's really, really not. Now, in Europe, what a Super Cup means is that your previous year's league champion and FA Cup champions are getting together to play a meaningless exhibition at or pretty close to the beginning of the next year's season. Just sort of kick things off. It's a nice celebration, but there are no stakes, and uh, Noob will uh, truck no water for it, quite frankly. Now, in Latin America, might get called a Super Cup or it might go get called by other names, like in this particular case, a Gran Finale, uh, in any case, what it means in Latin and South America is that uh, their seasons are traditionally divided into two completely different seasons or stages. The apertura and opening stage or clausura and closing stage. And never the two shall meet. Except months and months later, they oftentimes have the two winners play. In what they refuse to acknowledge as any sort of national championship because they do it months later to kick off the following season in a Super Cup or Grand Finale. Now I had uh, assumed when I saw in one of my sources when I was doing research Colombia's categoria, categoria primera A that's their top league there. And I thought, oh, they're having their uh, you know their Clausura playoff final. Sure, sounds great. We're definitely going to do that a one league match. And then I spent quite a while trying to find what on earth this match was. I couldn't find any evidence of playoffs going on or a particular season stage ending. And I finally figured it out. That this was their grand finale Not a stage final It was uh, your 2019 slash 20 stage winners That were supposed to play this Quote-unquote Super Cup in January And it got postponed all the way until now Because of COVID Noob almost got fooled But I said it before and I will say it again We will carry no water for Super Cups I don't care about them And you can't make me cover them. But it was late enough for the research process. I didn't have time to give you another match. Sorry. And now it's time for perhaps my favorite part of the show. The bonus matches. Because, in large part, because you have had a chance to have a say in what the matches are going to be that we're covering Soccer Noob USA is my handle on Twitter You can look for me there and look specifically for our polls that come out every Monday or sometimes on Tuesday For these three matches I put up the candidate teams that are facing off You vote, magic content happens, it's glorious And each of these three has different criteria They will all become evident as we talk about them The first match is a first versus last place matchup from some domestic top flight in the world that we like to call the route, route, route,
1: route of, 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 of the week, 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 week.
0: And the one that you voted on is a Sunday match from the Premier League of Malta. Pretty small country, and so its uh, league is not that highly ranked, only number 45 out of the, I believe, what, 54 or 55 in UEFA. In the uh, rankings, the coefficients, it's right between the surging Faroe Islands and uh, the Republic of Georgia's top flights. As such, they only get the minimum for international tournament bursts, one Champions League like everybody does, and then three of their teams get to go to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup is last place, number 12, Slamma Wanderers, and they are taking on, they were number one when I first scouted it, but I noticed that they are in second place now. So number B, Hibernians. Car, uh, the now number one team, had a couple of matches between scouting and when I've been recording it, and so they actually now lead Hibernians by five, but Hibernians do have a match in hand, and they're probably going to get three points here. So Slamma, They're in last place, but it's early in the season. The teams have only played five or six matches, and they only uh, trail a team called Mosta by one. But even though it's early, this is still your Route of the Week on paper. And let's look at each team. Slyama, in the local language, that means peace and comfort. Uh, It is on the northeast coast, an area of about 20,000 people, very affluent area. It's right across the harbor from the capital city of Valletta. And it's known for everybody there pretty much being uh, English as a first language speaker, which is far from the case in such an international island country. Uh, like Malta, so if you like your um, if you like your footing teams full of uh, quasi-violent or full-on violent ultras and hooligans and tifos and all sorts of blue-collar stuff. You're not going to find so much of that This is definitely a money team Although their success has not shown that Quite so much in recent years Now, their most recent appearance internationally Was in the 2014-15 Europa League They went out in the first round And in fact, they've never gotten past The second qualifying round of the Champions League They've got 26 Premier League titles To their credit but they haven't won it since 2004-2005. Last year, they were just barely above average. They finished in fifth place. This year, off to a very rocky start, 0-3-2. The problem has been the offense. They are tied for 10th in that statistical category, scoring exactly one goal per match on average. The defense has been average, tied for number 5th in that category. Team leading scorer, the guy they're really going to need to step up some more or get him some help is Miguel Lima, a Portuguese attacker. He has spent most of his career over here in Malta, although he has played for a team or two over in Portugal, but none in the top light there, the Primeira Liga. Now, the number B, Hibernians. They play out of a town called Uh, Paola, which is in the uh, Technically from what I read, the southeast part of the Country, but that really only means southeast from the Capital, again, it's very small about 9,000 people, they're about 5 kilometers From the capital is all, and they're Known as the peacocks, and their crest is One of my favorite in the whole world, because that Peacock is gloriously Presented right on the crest It's not just a bunch of colors, it's the actual Bird. Uh, This year They've been having a pretty decent season Internationally, they made it all the way to the third Qualifying round of the Europa Conference League And that's the farthest They've ever gone In any international tournament This is your current Domestic power They've won 12 league titles And a lot of them More recently Most recent one In fact was in 2016-17 Last year they finished In second place Hence the reason They're in the ECL And not the Champions League This year statistically number one on offense Tied for second best on defense And good for the second best goal differential Overall key man for them is Second best league leading scorer and homegrown Product Jake Gretsch He plays midfielder now normally My prediction is always the same It's kind of one of the tiny little inside jokes here In the podcast I always predict that the it's Going to be a four nil or nil Four game that the favorites going to win But given Slyama's history the fact That it's early in the season the Hibernians have fallen a little bit behind I think I will win, but this should be a close one. I'm going to call it at one to two for the final. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. could. You're so it's boring. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes a match that perhaps doesn't deserve it, but nevertheless that we here in Team Noob celebrate in song, the most meaningless match in the world. What does it mean? Well, it's two teams smack dab in the middle of their table, more or less equidistant from the glory of winning their league or earning some kind of international tournament berth and last place or close enough to last place that they're in the relegation zone in danger of being kicked out of their league. The one you have voted on is a Saturday match, and we're happy to do it because who else is going to be talking about teams they're meaningless or at least they appear to be right now. We're going to stay right there in Malta. It's another Maltese Premier League match. Number seven, Hamran I can't do the H. It's a different letter in their alphabet that looks like an H but with the second line through the middle. Let's just call them Hamron. Number seven, Hamron Spartans versus number six, Gazira United and they are tied on points. We'll talk a very little bit about each. Hamran Spartans. Uh, If you follow European football enough, you might be familiar with them Because they actually won the league last year Now, Hamron is the name of the city It's in the southern region of the country, about 7,000 people I always like to give a little geographical perspective They have won the league title eight times When they won it last year, it was their first title in just over 20 years But they didn't get to go to the Champions League There had been an outstanding match-fixing scandal case That they finally got everything settled on and now, <clears throat> starting that year, excuse me, their punishment had begun. I'm not sure how many years they're going to be banned for, but they're banned from international competition for this match-fixing match fixing scandal, so they didn't get to go. And so it is still the case that this team has never appeared in a modern Champions League or Europa League. Uh, Team-leading score. they got one cool thing going for him: the singularly named Dodo. I don't even know his full name, and I don't care. That's just fun. I like that he goes by Dodo. He's from the uh, uh, country of the Cape Verde Islands, and he plays attacker for him. Now, Gazira United, that's in the central part of the country, about 12,000. Uh, the city of uh, Gazira, it was a very working-class area for a lot of its history, but uh, then it fell somewhat destitute, and then it got rebuilt and sort of gentrified, if you will, and now it's a much more affluent area than it once was. So maybe not quite as fancy as the area we were talking about near the North Harbor in the previous match, but still pretty Tony, if you will. Uh, They lost in the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League this year, last year in league play. They finished in third place this year, struggling on offense, but very good on defense. That's where their bread's getting buttered. And they've got two guys who are tied for scoring in the lead, which I always think is good that you've got, you're not getting it all from one place. I think that bodes well. A couple of Brazilians named Maxwell and the fall. Far less Brazilian sounding uh, To me, Yuri And now alas, dearest New Bites We have truly reached once again the end of our Podcast episode, Road And as always, we will not be ending By talking about two teams facing Off that are worthy of celebration Much as we have the rest of the episode But rather with two which are worthy of naught but scorn They are painful to watch And so, righteously, we shall heap shame Upon them This is the match of
1: disappointed
0: and the sad sack bottom feeders that you have voted on on twitter i just love this part <laughs> two teams that occupy the last two spots in their league they're coming to us on a saturday match from once again germany's bundesliga we looked at a game from them earlier at the top and now we will see what the basement looks like two of the teams from this league are going to get relegated so far it looks like it'll be these two one of them will have a chance to stay up in what's called a relegation playoff where they will play a uh, two-legged home-and-away series against the third-place team from the second division in Germany for the right to stay up here in the top flight. Your matchup is last place in number 18, Gruther Firth, versus number number 17, Bochum. We'll talk about Firth first. That is the name of the town. And by the way, they are known as the Cloverleafs, which is kind of cool. I sort of like some of the things that I learned about this team, but it, uh, I shouldn't be saying so. It's a match of disappointed. I'm supposed to be mean. Anyway, talk about the town of Firth. It's uh, contiguous with the larger town and one you might be more familiar with the name Nuremberg. It's in Bavaria, southeast part of the country. Uh, This town has about 130,000, and how can you not enjoy this? It's like one of the toy-making centers of at least Germany and Europe and maybe even the whole world. So not the most disappointing place in the world, just a horribly disappointing football team. They have won the league top title three different times, but I phrase it that way because it's so far back, it wasn't even known as the Bundesliga last then. Their most recent top flight league title was in 19... 29, even older than old, new by a few years, yes Uh, Last year, they were in the second division and finished second place Where they are automatically promoted So far, they're looking like they're going to go right back down where they belong 0-1-6 is a start they've had They've only scored five times and have given up 19 goals in their seven matches Woof the uh, best or maybe least bad player they've had going is their central midfielder, Paul Seguin. He is a, a German product. Started his career with a much better team, Wolfsburg. Don't know what he did. Uh, slept with somebody's wife or something to get sent to this awful team. That said, he's an excellent passer, particularly good on crosses. One of the best uh, statistical players uh, Crossers I've ever seen But apparently nobody wants to finish those off Since he's only gotten uh, seen five goals out of it But that all said The worst player that they have going Statistically of their regular starters Is Sasha Buchert or Buchert I didn't even bother to learn the pronunciation Because the team is so darn disappointing And yes, I'm uh, adding on multiple affixes It's my show, I can do that He's their goalkeeper, and he has just been lousy. Most of his career, he's been uh, with Hertha Berlin, but they don't even let him play for the top flight when he's there. He always has to play with the kids on the B squad. Doesn't get to sit at the adult table or loaned out to various other teams. that we're probably not that happy to have him either. And for better or for worse, we do have a USA connection. Blast from the not too, too terribly distant past. The guy was on the U.S. men's national team roster for quite a while, not so much now, named Julian Green, he's an attacking midfielder for them Made some appearances for the squad, uh, the national team squad for the U.S. in 2014 Had a really fun claim to fame then Uh, He came in off the bench and on his very first touch against Brazil in the round of 16 of the World Cup Scored, and he was the youngest player, not to ever score in the World Cup But he was the youngest player to score all the way through the end of that particular tournament uh, other teams he's played for, he's been with Stuttgart in the top flight, but he didn't get to make many appearances. Bayern Munich actually had the rights to him before that, but they always loaned him out. He never made, he never got on the field for them at all. And as far as the teams for him, unsurprisingly, they have lost five in a row. And now Bauckham coming to town. Uh, That's the name of the town, in fact, and it is only the sixth biggest one in the state of North Rhine, Westphalia, west central part of the country, Uh, well over 350,000. But the bigger towns in this area are like uh, Cologne and Dortmund or a couple of them. Uh, This is a team that's probably going to get sent down, and it's going to be okay with them for the most part. They're used to it. This club is one of the oldest ones I've ever seen, 173 years old, but they've only spent 34 of their years in existence actually in the top flight. So when they get sent down, they'll be used to it. Last year, they had a very good year down there. They actually won the league, got automatically promoted. This year starting off just 1-1-5, and and I don't know how they got a win even because their goal differential is 4-16. Their offense is even worse than Gruther Firth's, Uh, probably because their best uh, player is slash was Simon Zoller, their striker. They've actually got somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net, or did because naturally he tore his ACL, and he is now going to be out until May 22nd, pretty much when the season is done. So, who will they definitely not be able to count on? Well, certainly their worst player tops that list. Robert Tesch, 34 years old, central defensive midfielder. Had his best year last year. Actually, looked pretty average when he was playing in the second division. Uh, But this year, beyond disappointing, it looks like you should probably be retiring, Robert, and it'll be a year too late. You're seeming a little old and behind the times. As far as the team's overall form, they are 0-1-4 across all competitions in the last five matches. As always, we will not finish the podcast by wishing either of these teams good luck. They haven't earned it, but instead, we will shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful.
1: I was terrible. them away. Hey, Boo. boo.
0: And that's a wrap on episode 53 of Soccer New Rock in America. Thank you very much to my daughter and co-host, Persa Noob. She spent a lot of this week away on fall break, but if nothing else, we've always enjoyed her with her countdown help in pre-recorded fashion. And I love doing the show with you. Can't wait to get going on next week's episode. Thank you as well to the management for all the wonders he does on the production and editing end. To Dan, the website's former interno inferno for all his creative efforts and inspiration. And most importantly, to you, the listener, you found us and you listened all the way through. Let's be best friends. Awesome. Glad we got that settled. OK, best friend, uh, please tell some of your other friends about us. We're footy minded or who you would like to be footy minded. We work really hard to create a show that's got a lot of great information, whether it's soccer or otherwise. And you know what? We've got even more characters and special appearances coming in the episodes that are going to be happening sooner rather than later. The show's just going to get weirder and weirder and hopefully better and better. So until you and I can catch one another at the next episode, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.